Welcome to Take Care. This is the podcast that helps you understand the background and habits of change makers. Host Rish Sharma and his guests give you the wisdom to help you learn a little more and get a bit better every episode. everyone. Welcome to Take Care. Today's guest is two-time best-selling author, named to Founder Institute's Global 100, Fabian Gerhalter, the principal of Finian, which specializes in strategic, verbal, and visual brand clarity. Welcome, Fabian. We're really excited to have you here with us. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. I'd just like to start from the very beginning. You know, where did your entrepreneurial and brand journey begin? Wow, the very beginning. Um, I don't want to go too far far back, but I, I studied communication design at Art Center College of Design, which was in Europe. It was beautiful at Lake Geneva overlooking the Mont Blanc. It was uh, wonderful. And then one day the college told us that they're closing down that school and they were actually having the main campus over in Pasadena, California. And so we all moved from Switzerland over to, to, to Pasadena. It was like this influx of like 300 European kids in, uh, wow. in Pasadena, which is outside of Los Angeles, right? Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of how it started, like working on identity design, working on communication design. After I finished college, I decided to stick around a little bit just for my resume. And as that always goes, you know, one job leads to another opportunity. And then I got, I got the green card and I started my brand and graphic design agency, uh, I think literally the day after I got my green card, when, <laughs> I, was, when I was legally allowed to. I, I yeah. quit my main job. I was a creative director at that point working a lot with um, Acura, as, uh, the car brand. I quit my job and, and I started my agency and I ran it. Uh, it was called Guy Halter Design, Guy Halter Company. Ran that for 12 years and then I started focusing more on brand strategy about six years and I started uh, a consultancy called Finian. That's great. Great summary and the backstory. I'd just like to take it from the beginning uh, when you mentioned communications design and brand design. Somebody that might not be in your particular industry or an entrepreneur that's just now approaching or trying to tackle all these things, what does that actually mean? You could provide some examples as well. Yeah, absolutely. Communication design was a smart way um, of the European campus to call graphic design because graphic design, it leads with graphic and it seems a little bit self-indulgent, like art, you know, it's graphic. But communication design really implies that idea that you are communicating on behalf of a company, on behalf of a brand. That's really what communication design is. And then brand design and brand strategy is really thinking about how do you move a product or a service into a brand that people recognize and like, right? So in the end, you want to be a brand that makes it into your tribe's social channels. I always like that metaphor, right? Like that idea that people don't follow many brands. I mean, I don't know, Rishi, how many, how many brands you actually follow on your Instagram. Yeah. But, you know, there's most probably, I don't know, 20% brands and 80% friends, right? Yeah. But when you actually follow these couple of brands, these, they behave more like friends. They actually enrich your life and, and, and they're amicable and personable. And that's what branding really is, you know, to create that path to, yeah. to becoming that. And it's, in the end, it's really heart and soul. You know, if you infuse heart and soul into a venture, and if you create a distinct voice and if you share values with your customers, then you actually will turn into a brand. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. You know, every brand that I follow, I don't follow too many, like you, like you mentioned, but the brands that I follow, they, they're like different friends, right? You have certain friends you go to for education, certain friends you go 
to feel a certain way, some to connect in another way. So definitely agree with that. Totally. Yeah. So let's go into the statement that you mentioned on your website on Finian, turning brands, turning ventures into brands. What does that mean to you and how do you approach that with your clients? You know, it's really very much the story from point A to point B, right? So as we talked about that idea of brands turning more into friends and they're being part of a tribe and people actually look forward to seeing their content, that's really that path. I'm trying to get startups onto that path very early on. So we assist them in turning into brands faster, right? By having sound brand strategy, creating a great brand name, and you know how difficult that is, right? Yeah. I mean, you've, you've been down that path. I've been down that um, path. <laughs> exactly. And, and, you know, enticing visual and verbal language around it, right? Like you have to set that up. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to create that strategy, so infuse that heart and soul into the company and create that visual and verbal language around it very, very early on so that when they actually launch or when they actually get their investment or whatever it is that takes them to the next level where the public sees the brand more, that they're already equipped with kind of like that layer that layer of insurance that, hey, we, we have that set, you know, like we're good to go with the brand level. Now we have to make sure that our product is up to par, that our service is great, et cetera, et cetera. Thank you for going into that. So I'm just going to take it again to somebody that might be a novice what would you describe is a brand in the most simplest terminology? And then how does branding different from marketing? So, boy, you know, I mean, look, I live in brief branding, right? It's so difficult to say, like, what is branding? And I have so many answers for that. I think I'm just going to, I'm just going to pick one of them. Yeah. I mean, to, to me, I feel a brand is a company that has more than, more than a product or a service, but that actually shares values with their tribe, that has that heart and soul. That's really what it is. And then to the second part of your question, how does branding differ from marketing? I actually hear that a lot and, and a lot of people confuse that. And, and then there's also on top of it, the term brand marketing, right? Which is yeah. even more confusing, right? But um, branding versus marketing. So branding you can really look at it as the why, right? And then Simon Sinek comes to mind, right? Like the big question, why? And then marketing is the follow-up question, okay, how, right? So, so why is, why does this company exist? Why would people deeply care? Why do we do what we do? And why does it stick with people? And then the how is, okay, now how do we actually communicate this? What channels do we go into? Um, and that's marketing, right? That's really figuring out how do you get that voice out there and the message out there, but why is to define, okay, you know, like, like what is it that we do and why would people deeply care about it? Thank you for breaking that out. So when you go back to describing branding in one of the many answers you presented, what are some brands out there that you are fans of, that they are hitting on connecting with their why, with their audience um, and their core demographic? Who's doing a great job? Who's somebody that somebody should aspire to have their business mm. or be working with or, or like out there? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, they're, they're the usual subjects, right? They're like the Patagonias of the world that do a really great job on many levels. But what I'm actually much more excited about is, is the underdogs, right? Like brands that come out today in, in days of technology and disruption and 
they are complete commodity offerings, right? Like brands that actually have nothing new to offer, yet people fall in love with them. And I, okay. I actually wrote a whole book about this last year, and I think you, you know that. Uh, called, yep. It's called Bigger Than This. And I studied some of these really cool brands like Everlane. Everlane sells super basic apparel. There's absolutely no innovation, right? It's just the most basic apparel, really well done apparel. But the only way that they differentiate is because they lead with radical transparency. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really cool because they actually created an auditing system to audit their own factories. I mean, that's insane, right? Like they audit their own factories and now they give that system to any other apparel company to become more humane, right? And yep. so those stories, people, especially, you know, like the next generation, uh, millennials, and, and I guess no one cares about millennials anymore. It's all about Gen Z, but, <laughs> but Gen Z, right? Generation C, really, they love that. It's important to them. They've been screwed over so much by so many this honest politicians and dishonest brands, all the scandals every day with Johnson and Johnson baby powder or whatever it is, right? Like yeah. that they remember that their parents did and bought and now they really don't want to go that route anymore. Um, yeah. So I'm more interested in those kind of brands that come out and they stand for something or they have a really, really strong belief or story and that's what turns them into into brands and the cool thing is anyone can do it right i mean it's it's, it's yeah. really in the end it's a formula and when i say formula i don't mean that anyone should just apply it in a dishonest way but if you honestly say you know like this is what i believe in this is what i want my company to be a lot of founders today think of the company as truly an extension of their own beliefs and i think that is great because you will find a niche market that totally looks eye to eye with your belief so those are the brands that I really enjoy these days. Thank you. Thank you for going into that. And I think that's so empowering what you just said, because, you know, I think most people when they talk about startups or somebody starting a company, it's always focusing on the high technology type of companies out there. And to know that companies that are potentially just a commodity company like Everlane or otherwise, just building a business based on your story and your values can have such a resonance with an audience. So thank you for giving you those examples. So switching it over to another aspect of branding that's coming a bit more popular out there is, so when it comes to branding, you mentioned a lot in your answers, storytelling and connecting with the audience. But taking that to what everybody talks about now, AI and data and everything else out there, how much does should data play in your everyday branding decisions or branding execution? Look, data is super important, right? I mean, there's, there's so much latent data hanging out and we could all just be much, much smarter companies if we would study more data. But on the other hand, that's talking marketing, right? But if we talk about branding, again, branding more being the why there's a big risk with data. I mean, you know, study it, right? Study the data, but don't always use it because data can be wrong too, right? It's not that idea that, oh, because it's written here, that's right. No, because there's still a human that actually creates the algorithms of how that data is being spit out, right? So I, I hear from a lot of founders where they say, look, you know, like we actually heard that our audience is actually, you know, like not that well educated. You know, some of them have high school diplomas. No one goes to college. We have to keep our language really, 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 you know, non-sophisticated, really simple, kind of dumbing things down a little bit. And then they realized that the data was completely off, right? And mm-hmm. they, they changed their brand for a couple of months into a direction that was completely off-putting to the audience. So it's, yeah. data is not always right, right? And a lot of branding is based on emotion, right? It's based on human intelligence. And I guess the human is part of that. So study it, but don't always use it. 
Yeah, no, thank you. I think that's that's crucial advice. So let's just segue that again into, so let's just say, I just wanted to give some takeaways to people, something that they can have some executional. So what are some top branding tips that you would recommend to somebody who's either building their personal brand and or a, an actual business's brand? You know, personal brand and business brand to me are, are pretty different, but you know, like let's hone in more on the business brand okay. um, because you know, I'm, I'm more of an expert with that. I think a personal brand should be very organic and very, you know, truthful. And, and I think with a business brand, there's a little more that needs to go into it. So I think the first thing is really understand the process. So understand the branding process, understand what needs to happen first, second, third, right? A lot of people just come up with the name of the company in the shower, right? And they're like, that's it. I had a great idea. Well, that's not how you come up with a name. For instance, the name needs to go back to brand strategy. It needs to go back to the why again, right? And if you come up with it, you know, over a glass of wine or in the shower, it's most probably not going back to what is really the definition of the company? What is the mission? What is the vision? What, what are our values, right? Um, and that's what the name needs to, for instance, have in it. So understand the process. There are tons of tools um, online that you can get. One of them is my book, How to Launch a Brand, where it literally just goes like step by step. So that's important. The other one is Branding is in the details, right? So be diligent and you know that, you know, it's like, yeah. it's so important because if you say, nah, that's all right. And ah, we can let that go. And then in the end, you just have a crappy product. You have a crappy brand. And if you <laughs> cut too many corners, you know, it's going to show. So show empathy to your audience. That's super important. That's also about being diligent, right? Being diligent to always answer all of the comments, to like them, to get back to people, to start the yeah. community and be consistent, right? We look at Coca cola and the brand color hasn't changed ever right yeah. um well pepsi cola is trying to do this and trying to do that and it's like good luck right yeah. and so it's the idea of you know it's kind of like a legacy company to bring up but it's still the idea for a startup and for a younger company hit them over the head right just because you constantly see the same brand because you put it out there know that people only see one tenth or one hundredth of what you put out there so just keep hitting people over the head with your brand language and your brand design yeah, no, definitely agree with that. So, you know, I think there's that marketing and branding adage, customer doesn't know what you're saying or any anything you say to them unless they hear it seven times. So just continually just pushing it, pushing it to them in all the vehicles out there so that your message resonates and you start to build that trust that you need. So yeah, and to the audience out there, I definitely recommend picking up his book. I used it over the last 18 months myself as I'm building my own brand and it was incredibly helpful for me. So I definitely recommend that. Oh, that's uh, great because, you know, I don't want to push my product on your podcast, but if you push it for me, that's good. That's <laughs> yeah. good. Love that. <laughs> yeah. So I just want to go into more of your entrepreneurial journey. So you've been now an entrepreneur since you got that green card uh, almost 25 years ago. What are some of the things that you would say are led to your success and made you to work and successful founders that you work with? What do they have in common? Things that have made you successful and then other successful founders that you've worked with? Yeah. I mean, there's, there's so much, but I mean, some some things that come to mind, you know, something that helped me tremendously and it took me way too long in my life to get there is saying no. And, and basically starting with no and then moving to a yes, right? Mm -hmm. Idea of like the more you say no to not the right opportunity or something that you have to work up less hard for or whatever it is, just say no often. It's as an entrepreneur, we have this idea of like every opportunity is a great opportunity. No, every, every opportunity is just an opportunity and in order to get the great one, you have to say no to a lot of the mediocre or bad ones. So that's important. Mm -hmm. 
And then having a narrow focus and an open mind, right? Just keep doing the one thing you do and, and become the best at that, right? It sounds so cliche, but yeah. most of us don't do it because we, you know, again, we're entrepreneurs. We have 50 ideas every day, right? But we have to suppress that and say, look, focus on what's ahead of you and just really become damn good in it. And don't be afraid to ask favors. You know, like the idea that it took me a long time too, right? People love to give advice. People in, in entrepreneurship, people love to help each other much more so than in any other industry. So if you come from a, from a regular, you know, nine to five job, you would never know that because it's all about backstabbing and like climbing up the career ladder, right? But yeah. in the entrepreneurship world, and you notice, it's amazing how you can just ask for favors and people will have lunch with you. They will have dinner with you. They will get on a call with you. And then of course you in return have to give back right? With your knowledge and kindness. So, I mean, those are some of the things, but I guess, you know, this can go on forever. But, but I think that idea of real, real sharp focus on what you do and what's ahead of you. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with that. I think just in being an entrepreneur, being a founder out there, it's, you just realize and understand how hard it is to put something out in the world to try to make an impact. And I think that commonality of empathy for knowing what the other person's going through, just like you said, it just passes from one person to the next. Absolutely. So I want to go to that principle you said about learning to say no to a lot of things. So you at one point had a very successful creative agency, many, many employees. And several years ago, you decided to shrink that down to a very limited operation as people are out there dealing with either deciding to scale a business or to kind of keep it at the same pace, how do you make the decision to kind of reduce the size of what you're working on and say no to a lot of the other opportunities out there? Well, yeah, I mean, for 12 years, I said yes to everything, right? I said yes to pretty much every job, right? I'm like, oh, this is a small job, but that's okay. Oh, this is a huge job. We might not be perfect for it, but that's okay. You know, here's a job that needs something that we're not 100% accustomed to, but we can learn it, right? So there's a lot of that stuff going on. And it's just bad for you, right? And talking about lifestyle, it's just really healthy. And I also, you know, I grew the company, I think at the maximum height, it was 18 people. And there was no middle management because I was such a, such an aspiring perfectionist. I, you know, I say aspiring perfectionist because I'm such a perfectionist that I don't even think I am a true perfectionist. I'm just aspiring <laughs> to it, right? But it's like, I, I needed middle management, but I couldn't really have middle management. So that was a personal thing that I just had a hard time working through. And even though we did amazing client work and I, I grew my talent pool tremendously, I personally actually didn't grow financially a lot. So over those years, you know, everyone else has to get raises and it's very competitive. Mm -hmm. But, you know, me, myself running the company, I started seeing, oh my God, this is turning more into a hobby, but I'm actually not enjoying it being in the office at eight o'clock at night, you know? And, yeah. so, and it's, it's just a tough business to be in, right? Um, the graphic design business was very difficult to be in. Um, the brand business, you know, turned very difficult um, with fiber and all of these automated um, services out there. So I knew I needed to change something for a lot of reasons, right? Um, and also for my personal growth, I started to be more interested in the why behind brands rather than how they look, right? Um, yeah. So I started going more into strategy and, you know, and I just sat down and I basically said, look, in a perfect world, if I wouldn't even have this company, what do I want to work on and with whom do I want to 
work on this. And, and I decided, look, the, the easiest way is for me to actually close shop over the next six months, make sure everyone has enough time to actually find a new job, help everyone find a new job. And, you know, I kept the rest on staff and we started creating the outline of my new firm and the outline of my book, How to Launch a Brand, that actually supported uh, the launch. And Mm -hmm. Just wanted to create a very simple process and a simple offering where there's no more proposals and no more taking on work that does not fall into my three simple categories. And you know, and, and you can tell when there's a company that's not hungry for work anymore, right? <laughs> you know, because yeah. it's a, you know, we have a small footprint and now we attract a constant stream of clients. And so I don't have to do a lot of new business because we have this very narrow focus and deep expertise. So and and in the end, financially, you know, it's been a humongous change for me throughout those last couple of years of making that change. So sometimes you actually have to just understand what it would mean if you would keep going one direction, even though to the outside, it looks really successful. In the end, it's about your own personal happiness and fulfillment, right? Yeah, no, I definitely, definitely agree with that. I think it's about, like you said, saying no to certain opportunities. So you can say yes to things that make you more happy. And you know, hopefully are more lucrative as well in the long term for you. So definitely agree with that. So I, I want to go back to leave one last question in regards to branding. So since you brought up your experience over the last 25 years, I just would like to ask over the 25 years, how has branding in 1997 or in the 90s <laughs> to now being in 2020, how has a brand changed or has it not changed? I'd like to kind of just go into that a little bit. You know, it changed completely. I mean, I mean, it's pretty amazing when you think about it, right? Because we still have logos, right? We still have colors. We still have typefaces. But the way that brands behave and the way that brands are being adopted, it totally changed. I mean, obviously, social media, huge, right? I mean, just the idea that anyone can start a brand overnight, and just put it out there. And with Kickstarter and with all of these opportunities to just say, hey, we pretend we have a product, but we don't have one yet. And then literally in six months later, you can be a big brand. I mean, that's, yeah. that's insane, right? That wouldn't have happened in the 90s. And brands are transparent today. Brands are honest, at least, you know, like people look for them to be that, right? So the idea of a brand screwing up and not talking about it or not doing anything about it, we see it over and over. It doesn't happen anymore, right? Like if Starbucks screws up, you know, the, the whole world knows about it the next day and everyone points fingers for them to make a change. And then two days later, there's a big change, right? United yeah. Airlines, right? The way that they misbehaved uh, over the last two years, it changed completely. It's a very different brand today than it was two years ago. And so that is amazing, right? So it's not only how brands are being perceived and how you can also interact with a brand. I mean, in the 90s, how would you have interacted with a brand? Literally, you went to the website, mm-hmm. which at that point was most probably Flash. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and really cumbersome. And it was a, a little experience and that was it. And there was no feedback. There was no input. Now, you know, if you're, you know, pissed at a brand, you tweet them, you, yeah. you go on Instagram, you, and within an hour, you receive something back. If not, you are going on a whole roll online, you know, to like brand shame them. You know, it's like, yeah. so, I mean, there's a lot going on. There's positive and negative aspect to it. But I think the same way that we see politics changing now and, you know, like this kind of like this uprising right now for, you know, democracy. And, you know, there's a lot of friends today yep. out that say, oh, we are democratizing X, you know, yep. and those are, those are the kind of friends. So I think it's just as culture changes, as technology changes, brands changed tremendously. Thank you for detailing that and going through that. So I just want to get into some of the final questions here. 
So Take Care is a podcast that shares the routines and habits uh, and rituals of change makers like yourself. So I'd like to kind of just get into that and understand your routines a little bit. You know, do you have a morning routine or any other routines in your day that uh, you can share with the audience? Yeah, I mean, look, morning routine um, for me is most probably not the most exciting. I think I think what is important to me in the morning is to to be up and in the office on the early side. I love to get a head start to everything. But now that I have so many clients in Europe, that's kind of failing because, <laughs> because I come in with a full mailbox. You know, I mean, some things that I do, I just do take certain time periods to think and to write and to create, right? So um, just like you, I have a podcast. Um, I record it every two weeks. And I invite founders that I haven't worked with that I don't know, right? Mm -hmm. And I, I have them tell me about branding because even though I am the specialist and I have all that experience, it's different every time hearing from a founder how they did it and what were their problems. And so okay. I, I invest a lot of time and, and money into constantly getting knowledge. And, you know, like since yours, since your podcast is also leaning a little bit towards personal care, for me, it is so important to be smart about my body and, and my mind, right? So, okay. you know, you have to know what's good for you. So for me, it's, it's pretty insane, but I take a daily hot bath <laughs> every day, right? Okay. At night, that's at least 30 minutes where I read at least one business magazine. And I literally do that every day with exceptions of a couple of nights where there events or anything I attend, yeah. but there's this amazing balance and nurture that between my body and my mind that I find during the time. And it's really sacred to me. And it actually, over the years, I started understanding more and more how that little bit of time where you actually, on the one hand, you, you totally relax the body, you do something good for your body, you de-stress, but on the other hand, you also intake information, right? So it's this really cool thing where I feel like I'm actually growing while I'm relaxing. So that's one of, that's one of the things that I do that's most probably pretty uncommon, but I, I really, I really enjoy it. Thank you. Thank you for going into that. So yeah, since you mentioned it about personal care, I'd just like to understand to you, what does personal care mean to you as a term? You know, it's really that. It's, it's, it's body and mind and being good to both of them. And it's really easy to say, and it is really tough to accomplish for anyone. And I think mm -hmm. everyone is struggling. And the fun thing is, and, and you might know that out of your own personal experience too, since we both live, you know, on the West Coast in California and, you know, Los Angeles area, Venice Beach, that area, mm -hmm. um, there's the more, the more people are wellness gurus or meditation addicts, the more you realize they too have huge issues. <laughs> you know, it's like there's, there's a lot and sometimes there's even more, you know, where that came from. And so it's really that idea of finding that balance. That to me is personal care, right? Because whatever you put on your body, whatever you put in your body and whatever you expose your mind to, that's all, to me, that's all personal care, right? So, yeah. Of course, of course, it's important, you know, the moisturizer I put in the morning and that I even put it on, right? Yeah. And, and, and to even look at, oh, what is it made of, right? I mean, I'm, I'm using something called Choose Beauty um, Nutrient Moisturizer. I've been using it forever and it's actually made with organic apple juice, right? And then I had these people on my podcast, uh, these founders of the company, you're going to get a kick out of that. <laughs> it's called Pit liquor. So it's literally natural deodorant that's made with whiskey. Wow. <laughs> so it's called pit liquor. Um, and it's really, really hilarious. And they've just been on my podcast. I, I would love anyone to, to, to check out that, uh, yeah. that episode. And so I'm now actually using it because it is so smart to actually use whiskey because it is an alcohol that doesn't have anything negative in it and it immediately evaporates. So you don't smell like you just came out of a bar. Yeah. But it's those kind of things where you just really look into your products and you look into what you put into your, into your 
your body. And that's personal care as much as taking a bath or just, you know, trying to find time to meditate. Thank you. Thank you for detailing that. I definitely agree with a lot of that answer. So I just want to finish up with, you know, two final questions. So what would be a common myth in your line of profession or field that you would want to debunk? Well, I mean, the easiest is branding is logo design, right? A lot of people think branding is a logo and that's obviously debunked, right? There's so much more to a brand. Um, That's the most common myth about the profession. Okay, thank you. And uh, where can listeners connect with you online? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they can go to finian.com. That's F-I-N-I-E-N.com. That pretty much has all the links. To find the latest book, they can go to biggerthanthis.com. And I'm very active on Instagram. That uh, handle is underscore Finian underscore. All right. Thank you. Thank you for being here. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Likewise. This was really great. Thank you, Rish. 